It is a pleasure to be back at Christ Community Church. Um, it's been quite a while, actually. I think the last time that I was here, it was two years ago. And uh, a lot has changed in my life since then. Uh, most notably, I got married to my beautiful wife, Annika. Um, and for anyone that didn't know me while I was here, I've been wanting to marry her for a long, long time. Uh, and uh, and she finally came around and... Um, Yes, and I'm very happy about that. Um, and we just celebrated our uh, first anniversary uh, a little over a month ago. And uh, it's been the best year of my life so far. It's been great. And uh, But I did want to talk a little bit uh, about my experience here at Christ Community Church, for those of you that don't know me. Um, I was here for four years uh, when I went to UNCW, and uh, this church played a great role in my life. Um, I have many fond memories of Christ Community Church because it was the church uh, that I grew in my faith. Um, I was challenged by so many people that are still here and some who aren't here anymore. Um, but I still have a lot of friends from this church, and I think they're going to be lifelong friends. And I just want to thank you as a church for how you have influenced in me and how you have uh, directed my life. So thank you for having me back again. Um, today's uh, passage is a pretty familiar passage. Most of you guys have probably heard this before or read it before. Um, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible um, because it's a simple one. But it's also a very difficult one, too, at the same time, because it's one of the most challenging passages in all of the Bible. There are many people in this country that claim the name of Christ. They say that they're a Christian but they don't really understand what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the risk of being a Christian. I want to talk about what it requires of you to follow Jesus Christ. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front, the first part of this message is going to seem a little bit bleak. It might even seem a little bit depressing. Um, but I think I'm going to wrap it up in such a way that it lets you know that following Christ is worth it. The reward in the end is worth it. Um, and I also want to tell you, too, the passage that uh, Mike just read. I'm going to emphasize the last three verses of this passage, but I also want to give you a context for what is going on in the gospel narrative. Uh, Jesus has just had this uh, conversation with his disciples. It was a, a very uh, interesting conversation. Um, he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? He wants to know what the people think of him. And the disciples give uh, a couple different answers. Most of the people say that he was like John the Baptist, or some say that he was like Elijah or some other prophet. And then Jesus asked them in a more direct way, who do you say that I am? And Peter, without skipping a beat, says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And then this interesting thing happens. Jesus proceeds to tell them that he must go to Jerusalem and die. It's kind of like this. It's, it's, it's just very interesting. Peter confesses that he's God Almighty. And then Jesus says, I got to go and die. And what's even more funny than this is that, that Peter's reaction to it. He blows up and he rebukes Jesus immediately. He just says, you're the son of God. And now I'm going to rebuke you. It's a very, it's a very interesting thing. But Peter thought that there were different implications for Jesus being the Son of God. 
He thought that Jesus could come and save their people without suffering. Peter thought that his people needed to be saved from Roman oppression. He didn't understand the nature of their estrangement from God. He didn't really understand that they needed to be saved from themselves and their sin. But why does Peter rebuke Jesus so strongly? I think he rebukes him because he understands the somewhat bleak implications of what Jesus is trying to say. He understands what's going to be required of him if he wants to follow Christ. Peter's attitude demonstrated a significant flaw in the thinking of the disciples. They were still thinking wrongly of what being a disciple would look like. They continued to believe that they could commit themselves to Jesus without paying too high of a price. As their behavior sometimes illustrated, they were under the impression that they could enjoy prestige without enduring hardship. In summary, the disciples did not grasp rightly the nature of Christian discipleship. And Jesus takes this occasion to instruct these men regarding what true Christian discipleship requires. If one wanted to be identified with Jesus, if one wanted to be numbered among his closest and most dedicated followers, a particular path had to be walked and a particular perspective had to be held in the heart. And this leads us into verse 24 when Jesus tells the disciples what would be required of them. He says, if anyone would come after me, he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus recognized that there would be some that would want to follow him. For this has been indicated multiple times throughout the Gospels that the disciples wanted to follow Jesus. But I want to tell you today, simply wanting to follow Jesus isn't the same thing as being a true disciple. New Testament scholar Scott McKnight has a great quote about what it means to be a true disciple. He says this. Those who aren't following Jesus aren't his followers. It's that simple. Followers follow. And those who don't follow aren't followers. To follow Jesus means to follow Jesus into a society where justice rules, where love shapes everything. Peter wanted to be Jesus' disciple, but he wanted to be a disciple in his own way. But as we've already seen, Peter's mission was very different from that of Jesus' mission. Jesus was on a mission to save his people from their sin, which could only be accomplished through suffering and death. So I want you to think about it this way. If what Jesus stood for and how he lived created friction, then why would we ever think if we wanted to imitate him that the results would be different for us? So the first thing I want to tell you that's required of you as a Christian disciple is self-denial. Now, self-denial, in my estimation, is the most difficult thing about being a Christian. Because this is what's required of us, but it's counterintuitive to us. Each one of us here, me included, Paul Phillips, everyone, we're all selfish. It's our nature as human beings to be selfish. But Jesus comes along and says that there's going to be a new way. And if you're going to do it my way, then you're going to be selfless. It's not about our comforts. It's not about our pleasures. It's not about our popularity, but this is so difficult for us. Even this morning, most of us probably when we woke up, we were thinking about how can my day be better? What can I do to make my day more enjoyable? 
I doubt many of us here have thought about what can I do for someone else today? But how can you tell if someone is living selflessly? How do you know that someone really loves you? Is it merely the words that they speak? Are you convinced of someone's love for you just because they say that they love you? You know, I think a lot of us are under the impression that if we think nice thoughts about people or say that we love them, that we truly do. But we know that's not true. We're convinced by the way people treat us with their actions. And with that principle in mind, think of the behavior of Jesus Christ. Although he was fully aware of how his journey would end, he continued on that path faithfully until he accomplished his mission. A mission that was all about your welfare. It was all about you. It was about where you're going to spend eternity. He was concerned with that. So when Jesus says, I love you, you have no doubt about his promise because you see in the Bible what he endured for you. Being a Christian is all about being about other people. About a month and a half ago, um, I got pretty sick. And uh, it was the first time that I'd been sick since I was married. Uh, and one thing that you guys probably don't know about me is that when I do get sick, I get pretty pitiful. And I'm very whiny. And, uh, you know, I want people to take pity and, you know, just baby me. And this extended to Annika as well. Uh, and this was the first time she's really experienced it. And I was sick for a whole week. And I know that Annika loves me. I already knew that. But it was interesting that week. I, I can't exactly remember how, how it worked. But I think what happened was I wanted her to get a ginger ale for me. And I wasn't very polite in doing it. I just wanted her to just, you know, orb around me and do whatever I asked. And, and she got up and, and got the ginger ale for me. And I remember this. I remember thinking to myself, she loves me. And I knew at that moment there wasn't one thing about me that was lovable. What an incredible moment to have with another person. To know that they love you. Completely. But not based upon anything that you do. Especially in my situation, I was being a jerk. But she loves me. And I think Christ showed that example to us. Did he not? He showed us that he loves us by what he does. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with saying I love you. I think it's an appropriate thing to do. But remember, that isn't what true love is. It's about denying yourself. And living for others. The second thing that's required of us if we want to follow Jesus Christ is that we're going to have to be willing to take risk. I'm not talking about careless risk. I'm talking about taking risk for Jesus. It means we're going to suffer. Once we have given up self-interest as a primary goal in life, Jesus gives us a new way of living. And that is called cross-centered living. Jesus says that you must pick up your cross and follow me. I want to tell you today that deciding to follow Christ is a dangerous business. Because it requires that we live sacrificially for others and take risk. Possibly the risk of losing our own lives. And I think that's why Peter was so 
upset when Jesus said that he must suffer because he understood the implications. He must suffer as well. Sacrificial living is the way of the Christian. Our our primary example for this is none other than Jesus Christ himself. In Mark 10.45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. However, it's one thing to exalt, exalt the virtues of being a servant, but it's much more difficult when you're actually treated like one. And so this means that we're going to face opposition. If we're going to follow Christ faithfully, we're going to come up against opposition. And this probably means suffering as well. In Acts 14.22, it says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11.26, I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. He also says in 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Suffering is going to come. But how can we endure such suffering? In order to withstand the suffering that we will face as Christians, it is paramount that we know what our true identity is. And where our help comes from. Most of us find our identity based upon what other people say about us. When we do this, we find our personal worth from the fleeting opinions of ever-changing people. In Kenneth Boa's book, Conform to His Image, he says, Our identity must not be based on what people say, but what God says of us. He says that he unconditionally loves and accepts us, regardless of how we feel or perform. He tells us that we have become united with him in the likeness of his death and that we will become united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. You see, we need to stop performing for people and find our personal worth in their opinions and start resting in Jesus Christ, who is our identity. When we confess him, we are confessing that we are identified with him. Not the most current trend. Not what makes you popular, but with him. But the difficult thing about that is we know that when we do that, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. Suffering is going to come. And we need to know where our help comes from. And it comes from the person that we are identified with. Don't think that you're going to be able to withstand the suffering of a Christian, being a Christian disciple without the help of Jesus Christ. And when those tough times come, and they will. He summons us to come to him for help. He wants you to come to him. And he says as much in Matthew 11 when he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, the Christian life is difficult, but we do have a resource in Jesus Christ. He tells us to come to him when we're facing suffering and he will get you through it. You'll find your rest in him. But we spend so much time trying to avoid suffering. 
We expend so much energy trying to avoid pain. And if we're all honest, this is the natural inclination of every one of us here. But we have been called by our master Jesus to embrace this cross-centered living. And as Christians, we're inevitably going to be put into situations where doing the right thing means that we are going to suffer. And every fiber of our being is going to tell us to avoid it. To run away from it. But as Christian disciples, we do not have this luxury. If you want to be a faithful follower, you must be willing to be identified with Jesus Christ and his suffering. Not just his glory. And I think that's what all of us want. We want to be identified with him and his glory. On that day when we'll be honored and when Jesus will ultimately be honored. And that day will come. But we got work to do until then. And we must be willing to be identified with him and his suffering, even if it means death. So let me ask you these questions today. Are you willing to stand up for the truth? Even when it costs you. Are you willing to call out gossips? Even if it hurts your social status. Are you willing to forego the praise of man and suffer for the sake of Christ? Well, I told you that the first part of this sermon was going to be a little bit depressing. And what we have to do in order to follow Christ is difficult. But I do want to encourage you today to remember this, that the reward is worth the risk. Look at verses 25 through 27 from the passage. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. In Matthew 19, 29 through 30, Jesus promised his disciples that they will be rewarded in eternity for the for, if they forsake the treasures of this world. He said, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Your soul is more valuable than anything in this world. But so many of us are selling our souls for the kingdoms of this world. As a culture, even within the church, we have bought into the idea that we can have true security in the riches of this world. But what is considered successful in this world is going to pass. Billy Graham says this about the emptiness of this world's riches. He says, suppose you had all the gold in the world and all the clothes you ever dreamed of owning. And you lived in a magnificent home and owned all the oil in the Middle East. Suppose it was all yours, but you lost your soul. Jesus said it would be a poor bargain. I think part of the reason that we value temporal things over eternal things is because we have forgotten just how brief life is. It's very brief. We don't have much time. 
1989, Robin Williams played an eccentric teacher at an elite boarding school in the film Dead Poets Society. And on his first day on the job, he attempts to teach his students the valuable lesson of the brevity of life. And he has one of the boys read a short stanza of a poem. And it says this. Gather you rosebuds while you may. Old time is still a flying. And the same flower that smiles today. Tomorrow will be dying. The Latin phrase behind the sentiment is called carpe diem. Which is popularly translated seize the day. The point is this. We don't have much time and we need to seize the day. I'm pretty sure that many of us here today think that we have plenty of time to get our act together and follow Jesus Christ. But I would like to kindly remind you that you don't have much time. Your time is running out. I want to encourage you to seize the day. This day, this very day. And ask yourself, are you truly committed to the person of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to forsake the treasures of this world? Seize this day. Quit wasting your life for the fleeting pleasures of this world. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and set your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. This is what John the Baptist did. And he lost his life for it. But he understood that the reward for following Jesus was worth the risk. And ultimately, the reward is spending eternity in fellowship with Jesus Christ, the only one who can fulfill our deepest longings and desires. He's the one. Everything that you're looking for in this world, he's got the answer to it. But it doesn't come easy. It's hard. It's very difficult. And I understand that we live in a culture that doesn't really understand that. We don't experience much persecution. And we don't experience that much suffering. But it's going to come if you're committed to him. So my hope is this for each one of you here today. That you could echo the sentiment of John the Baptist when he said this of Jesus. He said, he must increase. And I must decrease. We need to start making more of him and less of ourselves. And we do this by denying ourselves. And living sacrificially for others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Who denied himself and took up his cross for each one of us here today. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to commit ourselves to him. And to follow him faithfully, no matter where it takes us. And we ask all this in his name. Amen.